coming to you live from my apartment. It's Rob has a podcast. And now here's the guy who is not part of Team Ocean Spray. I am Rob Sisternino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our amazing race recap double episode. We got an exit interview, a jam-packed Amazing Race podcast for you here today. And uh, we are joined by our fantastic Amazing Race team. Joining us, here we have a woman who knows everything about the amazing race and Zimbabwe pop music, Jessica Lees. Jessica, how are you? Ah, Pasi Pano Panes via Rob. Yeah. All right, Jess, this is your turn. Oh, I, I'm not going to sing on the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you would have failed the task. Okay, all right, here he is. <laughs> With the Zimbabwe battle rap, Mike Bloom. Oh, I didn't realize there was an interlude in the middle that I should be doing. Uh, can I do a partner swap? Can I put someone else in, in my place? <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Here we are, a day late, but not a dollar short with the Amazing Race recap, because we are going to talk about everything. Two-hour episode, of course, everything going on with Celebrity Big Brother, and a lot to discuss there as well, but not on this podcast, so that was on an eight. I did not prepare my notes for that. (laughs) Two hours, look, two hours of Amazing Race, plus... Later on, at the end of this podcast, you'll hear my exit interview with, uh, spoiler alert, Eric. Just Eric. No Daniel. Daniel was busy. He was uh, graduating from some sort of military academy. Eric was on his way to see him, so you'll hear my conversation with Eric at the end of our recap. But a lot to do. Amazing Race history was made when we had our partner swap. Uh, Jess, so we, we witnessed history what did you think about the iconic partner swap? Hashtag partner swap. Well, when you get down to it, it really felt a lot like the intersection, mm-hmm. um, which is a mm-hmm. much, it's a long gone and mostly forgotten twist that I think the last time we saw it was season 16, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was basically two teams would team up and they'd have to run the whole leg together. And this was basically just an intersection where like half the team would go one way and half the team would go the other way. Yeah. Mike, for all the hype of the partner swap, I really felt like it's kind of landed with a thud. Uh, it was not that exciting. Well, I think it's because, like you said, it all comes down to hype. The fact that, especially with this brewing rivalry between Big Brother and Beach Ocean Spray Rescue, uh, just let's mash all those nicknames together for all intents and purposes. I I think we were sort of expecting that the storylines would pay off. They even had going into the tent making, those two teams were sort of at each other's throats. We thought, okay, they picked number one and number two. They're going to make those two teams swap. This is going to be great. And then... I could understand from a game perspective why they said, okay, Cody and Jessica, you were the first team to set up your tent, so you get preferential pick of the rest of the teams. But I feel like you lose out on some inherent drama that can come by randomizing the team. You make it from a more competitive field, and I think it certainly you know, jarred things up a little bit. No one uh, coalition really dominated the, the leg in particular, but I feel like from a drama and entertainment perspective, that was sort of sapped out by the fact that nobody really butted heads with each other whatsoever. Yeah, Jess, to me, I feel like that this season of The Amazing Race, yes, it is done well ratings-wise, and we've you know seen some beautiful locations, but 
I feel like that we're really lacking in terms of conflict between the teams. I mean, compared to a season like last season where we had a lot of uh, inter-team conflict and intra-team conflict, to me, I feel like that this is a pretty happy-go-lucky group other than, you know, maybe there's some shade here and there at Big Brother or at Team Yale. Overall, I felt like that this was not the best season to do this on. Really, it's it's interesting, Rob, because I don't necessarily feel that way about it. Um, what? I I know it's, it's not it's not the amazing best friend race. <laughs> I'm I'm creating my own conflict within the podcast. You know, Good, <laughs> that's that's exciting. Be the conflict you wish to see in the world. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. So, what? What? Which part of it are you saying? You saying that you feel you like it that the teams mostly get along? I'm, I'm saying I think there's more conflict than you're giving them credit for. Yes. I would say there's. Yeah. It may not be quite as overt, but I think the dislike for Team Yale, for instance, really mirrors what we saw last season with everybody kind of universally piling on Vank and Ashton. Mm-hmm. And. I also see a lot of um, – you see, um, I think some of the Britney Jess stuff has been pretty strong as far as conflict goes. And, you know, Amazing Race is not a show you come to for conflict. You get some, it's like mm-hmm. cherry on top of the Sunday, but <laughs> yeah. you're not here for people tearing each other's wigs off. Mike, I guess what disappointed me about the way that this worked was that they let them pick their partners. And basically the only way we were going to get people working with somebody they didn't want to work with – was if the fifth and sixth teams that were left somehow were teams that had animosity towards each other. And that really wasn't the case. So we ended up with, you know, it was a fun afternoon of the partner swap, but really there was no drama of, oh, I can't believe I'm stuck with this person. It was really the only drama it came out of where Jessica was upset that we had Evan wouldn't give her the answer. I, first, I just find it so interesting going back to Jess's point because I completely agree about uh, – I, I don't know if it's Yale hatred or Yale just sort of uh, looming as the big threat in the game. But I don't know what it is between Henry and Evan and Bank and Ashton. That sort of demographic pairing just seems to be the prime target for the past two amazing race seasons. Well, the Yale but thing, I, guess- I think that there's a lot of uh, – you know, Stephen Fishback uh, really has annoyed so many people over the years just throwing it all in everybody's face about how great Yale is that I think that that's really in the zeitgeist. Absolutely. The fishback effect is really in play for the past couple of seasons of the Amazing Race. Absolutely. Well, let's let's sort of, I guess, come up with Laurel. I don't know, like a like like a like a we we talked about what we what we wanted to improve upon with the head to head, the other new sort of twist advented in this season. And uh, by the way, it was interesting. I, I got to talk to Eric in my interview as well, and it was interesting to hear from a fan perspective his thoughts on the head to head, which actually resonated a lot with our thoughts. So that was super interesting to get that from sort of a, a participant's perspective. But I guess if, if we're planning our own perfect head to head. Are you saying that you would prefer if the teams just randomly got matched up? Would you key party, Mike? Key party, <laughs> Mike. Key party. So you key party is. <laughs> no, I I just know it's uh we know we I guess what do we do nowadays? Because you do Uber cards, uh, Uber parties where you each mm. order an Uber and you go you get an Uber with some random person. Is that what millennials do? I suppose. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Millennials are killing the the key industry. That's the next thing that we're killing. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think I feel like it would have been more fun to randomize it and make it that, you know, oh, we spin a wheel or something like that just to like, okay, well, 
Now, because the teams, I felt like the way that they did this was whoever's in first place is usually going to pick the team that's in second place. Or if you didn't like them for whatever reason, you'd pick the team that's in third place. Nobody was going to get anybody against their wishes, Jess. Yeah, we missed our golden opportunity to see Jess and Brittany stuck on a team together and having to work together. And I think that's where a lot of the conflict comes in. You get some interesting things like, and I think going all the way back to the intersection in Amazing Race 11, which arguably was one of the more poorly designed legs, but you had this team where that you had a team in Team Guido who had been marked for elimination and if they didn't if they came in anything other than you know first third first tier finishing they were going to end up getting eliminated and so you had Eric and Danielle saying okay we're going to work with them and we're going to we're going to sandbag them and then we don't have to worry about getting eliminated because if we just show up like less than half an hour after they do they're going to get eliminated and so you had some strategy in there that was interesting you had people working together like Charlotte and Mirna and the beauty queens who didn't like each other necessarily and that was Kind of a, the intersection, if we're talking about the intersection as like the proto-partner swap, that was where you saw some more interesting team dynamics. And here it was just like, I'm going to work with my friend. I'm going to choose the partner that I would have chosen anyway. And you really do want to see people forced to cooperate or purposely not cooperate as the mood strikes them. Mm-hmm. And instead, we just got kind of like, oh, this strong team is going out and doing well and these teams that are less strong oh no the two t the two team members that didn't know how to drive stick have to drive stick and that was a little less compelling yeah and then on top of that mike it was also in a non-elimination leg do you feel like that that further undercut the partner swap in terms of impact well, what I will say is that uh, we shall communally p- pat ourselves on the back because I do feel like the way that this got executed was something that we had called oh, from yeah. the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't, I can't, I can't, you know, claim a victory for much in this world. So I will at least claim victory for that. But I mean, the question is, how would they have done it if it was an elimination? Like, I, I maybe something that I'd like to put on the wish list moving forward. If they continue with the partner swap is much like the intersection as Jess was describing before. Have them only do it for like two or so tasks, as they did in the course of this leg, but then have them separate you know, join back with the regular partners and then keep going with the rest of the leg. Cause that at least makes things a bit more competitive. Cause now for all intents and purposes, we had two first place teams, two third place teams and two fifth place teams. So it almost had to be non-elimination. They couldn't put a speed bump penalty in there, even though they, they, they did the sort of like, this is sort of a pit stop, keep on racing type of thing, which mm-hmm. actually, you know, I know, I know that the amazing race probably did not plan for this, but I would say, Overall, the quibbles about partner swap aside, I thought there was a really solid two-hour block and specifically functioning as a two-hour block. I thought there was like a really nice Zimbabwe arc over these two episodes. They pair nicely. Just let me pitch you, though, on this idea of like, had this been an elimination leg, okay? So we have then Jessica and Christy, they come in last. They're eliminated. So restore the rest of the teams. And now Cody has to run the rest of the race with Jen. Don't you, isn't that a compelling? Isn't that? Don't you want to see how that's going to work out? I think that would have worked a little bit better if we'd seen this twist introduced last season. Oh no! But then we that, can't. We've broken up, Jody. Now. Yeah. Well, that's true, and 
I think almost people won't this watch. Whole, <laughs> this whole partner swap thing might have been worth it just for the look on Jess's face when she realized she had to not be on a team with Cody for a little <laughs> while. Yeah. So I think this would have been exciting. I, I, I love the idea of the orphan team that's now together. And again, I understand you have Jess and Cody. It's stunt casting. People want to see them together. But, you know, if this was any other season where, let's say, Henry and Eric end up uh, that, OK, they're they're eliminated. And now we have to have, uh, you know, Evan and Daniel run the rest of the race together. I think that's interesting. Well, if they win, are they then splitting the million dollars four ways then? <laughs> no, they don't get any. That's it. You okay, so they're not going to. So they have they have a choice. They can either share yeah, or keep share their own share want. of the money. Right, <laughs> but you got. Hey, you got eliminated. You go home. That's it. <laughs> well, Robin, here's an interesting thing. Like uh, I know that we are TV people and not book Team people. Team TV, right? Yes, <laughs> but I read I read a book um, over the last hiatus that my mom found that she sent it to me and she said, this book is amazing race fan fiction. (laughs) And it's a book called lost and found by Carolyn Parkhurst. And it actually is amazing race fan fiction. It's a story about like these. Oh, is is it with all the Simpsons? Did someone steal my idea? (laughs) (laughs) Why did I not put a copyright out on my Simpsons fan fiction? (laughs) But in the middle of this book that came out in like 2005, and she actually talked to actual Amazing Race contestants over the course of writing this book, and there's an actual partner swap twist in there where they just say, does anybody here want to trade partners? Yes. And people step up and a couple of the teams swap, and... It makes for an interesting new dynamic, and I thought, you know, they should get her on production. Yes, because Ooh, are are the are the contestants named Blonathan Blenner and Blandis Bloodblock? <laughs> Donathan Penner. Uh, yes. Then, <laughs> um, then uh, Justin, everybody in the book it doesn't turn into like a big hookup party. It's not like uh, Amazing Race slash fiction, right? No, there, there's not any actual hooking up. Um, that I can recall, although there's a romance, I guess, like there's a mother-daughter team and the daughter jumps ship on the mother and the mother finds a new partner and then she falls in love with that partner. Okay. It's, it's a good book. I mean, uh, it was a fast read. I, do, I don't think it's high literature, but anybody that wants a break from the television <laughs> sometime could pick this up. Okay. We have a lot to talk through about the Zimbabwe leg. So let's uh, talk through all of the uh, major landmarks uh, that we go through. So ultimately, the teams would head out to Zimbabwe. And ultimately, once we get to Zimbabwe, the teams were tasked with pitching a tent here. I didn't (laughs) think that this was the most compelling task that we've seen on The Amazing Race. Mike, what do you think of pitching the tent? I don't know what you want to rob. We have a bunch of guys in the middle of the African bush pitching a tent. I don't know what else you want from your TV show. Yeah, trying to get I, I want, holes right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like some people are having troubles getting the tack down. Uh, it, it's all it's all a big to do. I wonder if this could have been a roadblock. And actually, I'm trying to remember back in season 20, Jess, was was this a roadblock or a detour? The, there was like I remember there was one option about setting up a camp that was something very similar. But I, I didn't notice that, again, this leg, maybe it's because the partner swap was sort of the big landmark. It was a little scant in terms of tasks. And I wonder if they could have shoehorned in a roadblock here by saying, oh, only one person can do it. Because for all intents and purposes, for a lot of the teams, one person ended up doing the majority of the legwork here. Yeah. 
Jess, I, I find that it's a little bit of a letdown to go from two legs ago, build a trebuchet, to this leg, build a tent. It's true, and there wasn't even, like, any quality control on the tent. It was like, if your tent is standing up, then I guess you're okay. Um, it wasn't like, for instance, um, Amazing Race Canada 2 had a campsite thing where you had to set up the campsite and make it look exactly like another one, or sort of like the parklet thing in Denmark in Season 25. Yeah. Uh I would like a little more attention to detail. Like, you set it all up and you have to have, like, the lanterns facing this way and there's this number of forks in the pan and whatever. Um, that would have been a little bit more satisfying, I think. And definitely make it a roadblock. Why not? That being said, uh, I think my favorite part was Mustache Phil, who was true. I saw them. I know some people had said, like, where did the mustache go? I feel like the mustache was in full form tonight. Maybe this was truly evil Phil with this partner swap. But him coming up at four in the morning, begging the pots and pans. I'm sure Jess and Cody love that noise. I'm sure that didn't trigger anything. Time to wake up, meatball. <laughs> the Zimbabwe version of that. Yes, Josh Bobwe. It was very Probesian. I thought the way he just like wandered into camp and told everybody to wake up. Yeah. Okay. Early bird gets the worm time because it's time for the partner swap. And ultimately, I mean, we've talked this through mostly, but uh, Jess and Cody have to pick which team they're going to work with. Uh, they liked Christy and Jen. Jen, was, has this been explored before that Big Brother liked Christy and Jen? Well, I think we got a little bit of it right up front when everybody was talking about in their confessionals as they're traveling to Zimbabwe, like, here are the teams I like, here are the teams I wish would go home. And you do get a little hint that there's this budding alliance forming. At least everybody thinks they are in an alliance with Christy and Jen. And I think we're going to get into this a little bit later on when we get to the U-turn, but it sure seems like Christy and Jen are playing a pretty amazing social game mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. everyone wants to be their friends and everybody thinks this is a strong team, but this is a team that I want to work with. Yeah, that's a great point, Jess, because when we get to the U-turn, it's nobody is like, oh boy, Christy and Jen, who we've talked about all season long, seem to be the most dominant team in terms of this amazing race. Nobody's thinking to U-turn them. Everybody says, oh, oh, sorry, uh, Alex and Henry, we U-turn you guys because you're such a strong team. But it's really because they don't like them. And then nobody actually U-turns a team that they like. Right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very, very dire straits when that's the case. I mean, you might have a situation that happened with uh, Justin Cody and... Podcast. And uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, and Team Well Strong from last week, where it's like the only thing you can do. I don't know. I We'll definitely talk about it, but I think Team Extreme got very very lucky with the circumstances because Brittany definitely seemed to have a vendetta against uh, Jess and Cody. So they were set on you turning them. I think they just got very lucky that their Biffles team IndyCar uh, was there because I do wonder if another team was there, could they have you turned them? And they were, of course, third to show up. So then it didn't matter who came after them. But I don't know, maybe in a different set of circumstances, uh, especially knowing that, hey, Christy and Jenner in the back for the first time maybe ever. Let's take this chance to U-turn them. Yeah, no, but nobody did it, and it could be a fatal mistake if they go on to win the race. So uh, we had uh, the detour was Rhino uh, Track or Bushwhack, and so 
I don't know. Just I, I thought that this uh, rhino tracking exercise just seems so arbitrary. Of uh, what do you do? What are people doing? Is this like a, a detective case of like just go around and try to find where the garbage is in the jungle? Well, Rob, do you remember back in season 22, I think they were in Botswana, and they had a similar thing where they had to just, like, go around this track and memorize some puzzles, and it was the one where Pam and Winnie got eliminated? <laughs> Vaguely. I think, yeah, at a certain point, I think especially when you are out in the bush in Africa where there's not necessarily, like, there's an area in which you have to be semi-confined, there's really not a lot you can do, so... I think going around, this gives you a chance to see the animals, which, let's be real, that's the reason we're here. (laughs) And you can't necessarily predict, like, I seem to recall very early days, there was one task that involved having to spot animals, and that could be very arbitrary. Mm -hmm. So we need to have the animals there, make them incidental, and give them some other puzzle to solve, and make it hard enough that you're not just going to go and do the other physically demanding task, because... This task is too daunting. Like make it, make it a good balance. I think, and I think they did succeed yeah. here. And I shouldn't throw too much shade. I don't want to upset Mike because I know that on the side, Mike runs his Central Park litter tour, where he takes tourists around the park and shows them a map of all of the different litter that is around Central Park. So I apologize, Mike. It's okay, Rob. Uh, actually, a little bit of similarities between what we find in Central Park and what we find out in the African bush. Bullet shells are definitely a commonality. Uh, can't say we can't say we find a lot of wire uh, bones. Perhaps we don't know exactly what the bones are for. But yeah, be sure to be sure to check it out. You know, every other Sunday we're out there uh, hiking the historical trails of Central Park. Someone actually did find bones in one of the parks up in my neighborhood, like this past week. Yes, did they? How about a fork? So- um, I'm sure there were also forks. Um, I found a headless chicken once. <laughs> oh, no. Damn. They would, they would definitely remember when they, where they found the headless chicken if that was part of the task. <laughs> yeah, see, they couldn't put the headless chicken in because that would make it too easy. <laughs> but the other side of the detour was really exciting. You know, you had to get into this 4x4 uh, four four and then uh, – is, is it a 4x4? Four four? I don't know. I, I don't know, trucks. Yeah. I'm sure uh, it's a 4x4. Yeah. Four four. And you had to go through like a swamp and then if your car got stuck – I mean, I thought that this one was really action-packed. But just you can't go if you don't drive stick. That's right. And let this be a lesson to everybody. Mm -hmm. You can't just rely on one person to know how to drive stick. Yeah, because partner swap is going to screw that up. Mike, I did think it was interesting that basically all of the partners split down the middle and uh, no original partners went on the same side of the detour. Because I feel like in hindsight, you probably should have had both partners do the rhino track and then you could have compared notes if you get stuck like uh, Jess and Christy did. Yeah, that's exactly what Jen and Cody were thinking once they, and this is the episode of Jen just sort of making decisions based on her gut that aren't necessarily good. Uh, And so when she sits in the car with Cody, she realizes, oh, maybe we should have gone back. Yeah, I mean, Cody, I mean, Cody's just Cody. I think Cody saw a four by four and was like already set on that. Uh, He just saw the words four by four. But I think you make a good point. And that's what Jen was thinking as well, especially with that task. When you don't exactly, and I, I think one advantage that this detour had as well is that it didn't exactly outline what you were supposed to do so through the vagaries you trip up people like jess and christy but i think as they talked about with four minds working on that task they definitely could have gotten it through much easier than now 
who knows? Maybe they still finish as a group in those last bottom two spots. But, you know, I, I think this is sort of like many hands make light work. Yeah. Uh, we did see a lot of action, Jess, where we had a couple of the teams uh, get stuck in the muck. Uh, we had Lucas and Connor and then Henry and Eric. And I really thought it was surprising because we're, right where Lucas and Connor were stuck, Henry and Eric decided to go like, oh, this must be the way. Like, let's drive right next to this other truck that's stuck in the mud here. Well, you had to go a certain way and you had to go that direction. I think they were probably figuring if you get stuck in the muck, there's probably a deep hole there. So wherever you're driving is not where that hole is. Yeah. And and to to be fair, they wanted to usurp Lucas as the winch king. There can be only one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> That's a very important role to have as the winch king. But, uh, yeah, we had teams get stuck. Uh, I thought that, Mike, it was very funny when Connor was pretty useless. Uh, as much as Phil has been illustrating all season long, as we saw uh, Lucas trying to uh, get out of the uh, ditch. Yeah, I love Connor sort of like mugging admitting i should be helping but i'm not going to connor also had a really demure line of this is the story of my life i'm always stuck in a mud pit uh and then the show doing a fantastic editing job here well once connor and lucas finally get out cuts to connor saying like wow that was ridiculous i want to see the instant replay of someone who was able to do that without getting stuck in the mud smash cut to jen and cody just like lottie dying over the mud pit yeah they got through it with without incident to get through that obstacle uh just on the other side uh, we ended up with you know this uh big uh, to do once it was uh jessica and christy they got to the end of the trail and they had to put the things in the right order and they were just messing it up more and more every time they went through to ask the instructor Yeah, it just, I think you get up all up in your own head about things like that. And you really get to a point where you're second guessing everything you do and getting further and further away from the right answer. I think they started out okay. Yeah, I think they had two wrong at the start. And then they got to a point where I think they had every single one wrong. Yeah, the the mastermind uh, judging that they do for these tasks is always the most aggravating from a viewer perspective. Just like, as you said, you could only get two wrong, but you don't know which two they are. And so you just keep flip-flopping everything to the point of where the fork's up by the lake and the the knife is in the tree. And you're all out of sorts. That leads you to then beg at the team that's behind you to help you. Yeah, and we did have a lot of that here in this two-hour block of teams asking one another for help. So we had the moment where then Evan and Daniel showed up, and they said, hey, can we get some help over here? And Evan said, hey, well, we want to try it ourselves, and, and then if we need help, then we'll ask you, and then we can work together. And boy, Jess was not having this, Jessica. She was very upset. Evan is not a team player. Man, it super sucks when someone comes up to you asking for help and you just don't help them. Mm. Like, who would ever do something like that? Yeah. Mike, I really thought that that was a weird thing for Jess to say, to call Evan. She's not a team player because I didn't understand that being a team player means helping people that are on a different team. 
Yeah, I mean, team is is in the royal team, right? <laughs> Referring to teams as a singular unit. Yeah, this was some weird behavior compounded by the fact that we get some more, you know, words from Jess about how oh, I want to punch Evan in the face. I feel like we can read between the lines a little bit here. We're, we're more than halfway through the race because I, I know that when you interviewed Joey, I think Joey said something interesting about like Tim not liking Evan as yeah. well. It's not, it hasn't outright been said, but do we think that there's an addition to like the team yell is a big threat thing? Do we think there's some sort of like personal conflict going on with a lot of these teams and evan it seems like henry is totally aloof and people love his his laid-back attitude but there's maybe there's something about evan that these other teams are, are not liking and as a result it's leading to them getting targeted more jess are you buying that that the teams have something against evan well, it certainly seems like that's the feedback I'm getting from the Twitter universe. Uh, a lot of the viewers kind of feel the same way. And I think I'm not sure what it is. If there was a specific incident, I hope you start asking some of these people when you get to talk to the teams. I would love to know what was going on there. But I do think that Evan is a particular personality type that tends to rub people the wrong way on this show. Mm-hmm. And she is... You know, she's a little bit brainy. She knows she's brainy. She's kind of the alpha in her relationship. She is a strong woman, and, you know, she is not shy about her achievements. And I think all of those things combined tend to make for a personality that comes off as abrasive to both the viewers and the other racers. Right. There's a lot of, what do you think, you're better than me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you wear a hat that says Yale, ask Stephen Fishback. You know what's going to happen. You know people are going to come back at you like, oh, you went to your big fancy Ivy League college? and Right. You, know, it, it, you get a little bit of that. Like, if that's what you're putting forth, um, people kind of assume that you're out to defeat them and prove your betterness. And even though that's exactly what everybody is there to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Mike, anything else you want to talk about on the partner swap leg of the race from the first hour? Uh, not particularly, though I will say, again, that I, I like if we did this partner swap, uh, the element of, you know, the, the keep on racing in it, just because we are going to be approaching this U-turn, and I'll echo Jess, I think we can all say this in unison, audience as well, do not put the U-turn before the detour, but at least what makes this one better than some of the other ones we've seen in the past couple seasons is that since they keep on racing, it does allow you to give some preference to, you know, if you left the pit stop in first, there's more of a guarantee you'll get there first, as opposed to what we in the past, which is, hey, if you got flight. off the plane with right. with everyone else and then got the right taxi, you're, you're going to get to be able to U-turn. So there, there's that. I can give some at least credit there. But no, let's let's move on to the uh, the I guess the, they explored the, the bush in the first half. And now they're going to the middle of Harambe, Harare, whatever it's <laughs> called to uh, to tackle the, the the urban aspect of it. All right. So now it's time for the teams to do the double U-turn. And we're going to see Lucas and Brittany. They are going to U-turn. You turn Cody and Jess. Jessica, do you feel like that this was a little bit of uh, the uh, the headless chickens coming home to roost where we had two different times <laughs> this season where Brittany was the victim of Jess's chicanery? Do you feel like that this was personal because uh, she said, no, it's just a game move. It's nothing against them. They do it to us. I think it was 100% personal. Mm-hmm. I think... But I also do think they would have done it to them. Oh. Um, I think both things are true. And I 
I think they I think the one tactical error they made was they were rolling up with another team. And what they should have done is had the other team they put the U-turn up on the board, they U-turn Jess and Cody and then and then they should have themselves been U-turned mm-hmm. to kind of block that U-turn off. That was the thing I think the Twinnies mastered that tactic early on mm-hmm. and then you just kind of negate the second half of the U-turn. Nobody can use it. Unless they've changed the rules, it doesn't make any sense not to do that. Okay, why you don't feel like that? Okay, one of these teams, we have to knock them out, either Justin Cody or Henry and Evan? I don't think so. I think I think you pick your target and you try to make sure you don't see that team again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but do you think IndyCar would have been complicit in that plan? Because again, it seemed like they had their own agenda going after Henry and Evan. There was actually a secret scene this week where Alex and Connor were in the car, almost going over their own sort of pecking order, and they had Big Brother pretty highly ranked. So it seems like both of these teams, both Big Brother and Team Extreme, were able to benefit from sort of friends in high places, and that IndyCar sort of had their own personal target. So it's one of those rare moments where you get to the W turn and two teams have two different motives at play. So as a result, maybe if they were more tightly aligned, like you said, Jess, it would totally be smart to do this. Okay, well, you turn this team and you you turn us so that we only target this one team. Though, who knows, considering how much Eric and Daniel biffed it on the song, who knows if even that one team, you know, would have still surpassed them and survived the leg. That's that's a very good point. And I think if if you come at it with IndyCar having Big Brother's back, then that makes perfect sense. Like, let's you turn a team that we're not aligned with that in the hopes that that's the team that goes out and it kind of gives your friends a fighting chance. Absolutely, that makes more sense. Okay. Personally, I might have thought in that moment, maybe I would U-turn the far weaker team. Like, you turn the firefighters there so that... They, you know, firefighters have been U-turned. They would still be out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody was worried about them. They were under the radar. They were in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so. Uh, Christy and Jen, they realize, hey, some these idiots forgot to U-turn us. So uh, they're excited. And then Cody and Jessica and Henry and Evan, uh, they get there pretty close together. They both realize that they have been U-turned. And uh, Cody and Jess are not thrilled. And I thought I heard this in the first hour, Mike, when... Cody, I thought he called them Team Ocean Spray, but uh, Jess and Cody both clearly refer to Lucas and Brittany as Team Ocean Spray. Well, their regard for them is as tart as cranberry juice. I think the (laughs) moniker totally makes sense now. And I just, I mean, this is, I know people might grumble and grouse about how in the past few seasons we sort of become accustomed to these, like, sort of corny team hashtags but like this is what you get out of it we have now completely bastardized this slogan of team ocean rescue into team beach ocean into team ocean spray over the course of seven episodes and i love it yeah uh just are you in or out on team ocean spray i think it might be the funniest thing that's been said all season in a season full of funny things yeah <laughs> uh, I, I especially love when cody said I don't care for ocean spray, which, again, knowing Cody might be a condemnation of the beverage or of the team. We're not entirely sure. (laughs) Yes. All right. So we then see uh, Cody, Justin, Henry and Evan. They both go out and they go their separate ways uh, for the detours, uh, which are handle with care or 
just get it there. Handle with care involved delivering packages around, just get it there, was uh, involved rolling a tire around the city. Uh, Jess, any preference on handle with care or just get it there? Um, handle with care 100% uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, reason number one, it's semi-indoors, and as Phil pointed out, the building was engineered to be a little bit cooler. It was kind of hot out there. You get a little bit of respite from the sun, um, and you're not bending forward, rolling a tire for half a mile, because that looked seriously uncomfortable. Mike, I loved Alex and Connor during this because <laughs> it really they got lost, which was hilarious. But I loved it when they delivered the tire to a guy who had nothing to do with the Amazing Race and then asked him for a clue. Uh, this is some of my favorite parts that happen with the Amazing Race, and we've seen it a few times. Most prevalently in the aforementioned Amazing Race sixteen, where one half of the detour was to paint someone's wall, and I think it was Allie and Steve painted someone's house who had nothing to do with the Amazing Race. Um, so I, I just love this moment. Who knows what would have happened if that man drove away with the tires? But I just love that the they, there was like a yellow stripe along the side of the flatbed. So they thought, okay, sir, you're, you're tired. And this poor man's just sitting there like, did I just get two free tires? Granted, I don't know how much they'd be utilized. One was much, much larger than the other one. I don't know what circumstances you would need for those. Yeah, big tire and a little tire. Uh, just... Also, Alex and Connor seemed to not even know what kind of a store they were looking for. Uh, they were seemed to be confused that there was an electronics store somehow in the mix. <laughs> was it electronics or hardware? Uh, they got really super lost to the point where I was worried they were going to like wind up in an entirely different city. Yeah. So just rolling that tire on down the road. Yeah, they ultimately did get through it. Uh, we saw Jess and Cody. Uh, they started uh, delivering the packages around. Uh, I thought it was funny just that we had Jess and Cody carrying five packages each. And then Eric and Daniel showed up like, a, can we take one? Should we take one? All right, let's take one. And uh, let's let's see what happens as uh, Jess and Cody are carrying as many packages as they possibly can. Well, I think the bigger question here is, what does a dentist's office need with all of those headless mannequins? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> They're better than headless chickens, you know? I mean, is a, does dentist mean something else in the Shona language? Maybe they're using the mannequin to model the blue jumpsuits that are customary uh, in a Zimbabwe marketplace. The marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> Two podcasts in a row, you pulled out your Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, Rob. I can't believe in the year 2018 you're still doing that. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back for Big Time Crunch. <laughs> big Time Crunch, at the den- that's a, the, a common affliction among the dentists in the mall. We're under a Big Time Crunch. We need to deliver the tires to all the stores. Okay. So it seemed as though uh, Henry and Evan just blew through the uh, tire task, Jess. Yeah, they definitely, uh, they were rolling right along. Um, (laughs) My question to you guys, though, do we consider either one of the uh, vehicle and or tire related mishaps that Alex and Connor experienced throughout this double leg? Are these five hole adjacent? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say the tires are because I doubt that they're they're not their own pit crew, right? They're not running out to change the tires. Uh, the the driving one, I feel like, might be a little five hole adjacent. It might be like grasping grasping the rim of the five hole. Uh, in that, I don't know sports, uh, so I assumed it was a literal hole. In that, uh, you know, it, it it's the, I mean, he Connor was the one who was driving, and he got his vehicle stuck. So I feel like you have to assign some blame at least to him. Mm. 
I'll say no. I don't think so. I mean, uh, Connor just seemed like he just sat there. I, I don't know if it was uh, really IndyCar adjacent. So I'll, I'll say I'll say no. Mixed bag on the right. five I, hole. I always have to check because anytime anybody does anything that looks remotely like what they do for a living, I get a series of tweets like, ooh, is that a five hole? Is that a five hole? Even if they do a good job. It's like, oh, is that a five hole? No, they did a good job. So, okay. uh, well, what I will say as well, when you said that, oh, yeah, Henry and Evan rolled through the task. Uh, it was definitely because Christy and Jen, for some reason, gave them Google Maps esque directions to get there. Yeah. Well, Jen didn't know that they were supposed to be mad at them. Yeah. And that's maybe the biggest ramification of the partner swap is that they were not able to communicate who they should have been mad at from the times they were split apart. Yeah. Christy's like, no, I hate her. I hate her. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand exactly, I mean, even outside of likes and dislikes, why you would be that open with exactly what they're supposed to do. But who knows? Maybe this is, again, speaking to Christy and Jen's killer social game that everyone thinks that they're on their side. Okay. Uh, why don't we, let's stop down here uh, so I can switch cool. over to Big Brother. But uh, we knocked out a big chunk of this. We basically just have to go through the uh, singing uh, karaoke uh uh, madness block yeah uh you know uh, that so we still have to finish uh so we basically talked through henry and evan getting through the tires and then uh cody and jessica still have to go uh they have to basically like the, the <laughs> throw other, the door open on indycar's yeah, taxi yeah, to, to grab them the other side of their um their u-turn so i'm i think we can pick this back up my mike you have the, your recording yep i started it back up so I did think just that there was uh, this interesting symmetry that we're talking about these teams getting help from one another. Uh, we had with Henry and Evan that they got some help when they showed up for the package delivery. Uh, they got some help from the firefighters. And then we also saw on the other side where Justin Cody got some help from Team IndyCar that helped them along. Yeah, it was kind of like everybody had a horse in the race, and they were trying to make sure that their U-turned team ended up coming out ahead. Yeah. No, the horses were in the last leg, Jess. (laughs) Mike, in hindsight, though, should Daniel and Eric have been a little less forthcoming with the information for Henry and Evan? I mean, in theory, yes, but I'm sure the impression that you got talking with Eric, as did I, is that these guys just seem... Very, very nice people that wouldn't purposely do anything antagonistic towards anybody. And especially Henry and Evan, you know, they they just recently worked with them through this partner swap task. They really have no reason to say no, especially knowing that they're purposely behind them. They've got another half of the U-turn task to do. Again, at this point, they did not anticipate that they'd find their Achilles heel very soon on the race. So they would... They have no problem essentially saying, hey, you're going to be behind us anyway. Let's just give you a little bit of education as to what's going on. And I mean, uh, unlike another, the other team that was U-Turn, Henry and Evan didn't need to necessarily throw open the door to the mall and ask them for information. Yes. So we get to this Zimbabwe karaoke concert. And this is a classic Amazing Race challenge for me. I think that I would struggle more with dancing than the singing. And really, there, there seemed to be no actual dance you had to learn. You just had to sing the song without the paper and, like, bounce around a little bit. Yeah, well, I think it's 
kind of amusing that they are grading on enthusiasm in this task, especially since it just about ended up being the reason that Jess and Cody got sent home tonight, mm-hmm. uh, because Cody just cannot find the gear that gives him enthusiasm for anything yeah. he has ever done in his life. <laughs> and it was really I don't know what was more painful to watch, to be honest, like everybody being off key and off the beat or watching Cody trying to fight this impulse to actually give himself over to something and enjoy it. Yeah, it was funny because she kept saying to him, like, babe, come on, you got to you got to rehearse. And he just kept looking at her like, what do you want me to rehearse? Like, like, it's like she was asking some crazy question of like, where, where, where practice, practice, what, why would I, why would I rehearse this thing that I have to go perform on stage in two minutes? No, Rob, the basketball team already left. You can't make the practice reference. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't think you were going to know that, Mike. Uh, I know that's, I couldn't get, I don't know what a five hole is, but I know that one YouTube clip. Uh, but I love that Cody is sort of the Mariah Carey of this group of teams where he's like, I don't need rehearsal. Just play the track. Where's my backup singers? <laughs> uh, who knew that he would be the, the biggest diva at all? I don't need to, I don't need to rehearse. Yeah. Jess, in terms of uh, the Amazing Race history of it all, uh, do you like the singing more than dancing in terms of this type of task? I think the singing brings people out of their comfort zone a little bit more than dancing. Like dancing, you can you have the ones where you have to just kind of bop around and get into it. And those are usually okay. And then you have the choreographed steps ones that are kind of geared toward making sure that the professional sports cheerleader types get to survive another round. Um, But I think singing is something we don't get very much of, and almost everybody is really bad at it. Yes. And so I... I like the ones that are kind of a combination of both. Um, and I've gone on record as saying the season 23 task in Vienna where they had to sing the Schubert art song with the Vienna Boys Choir. I remember. It's one of my all-time favorites. And it's kind of ironic that that was the downfall of Tim and Danny and then a kind of our Tim and Danny 2.0. It ends up being their downfall here. Yeah. It is an obstacle that you have to overcome anytime you're picking one of these male-male teams in the Amazing Race draft. This is always the position that you have to worry about. Mike, I actually thought that the judges were pretty lenient with a lot of these people. I was surprised. Yeah, they were stopping people. But when, like, Lucas and Brittany got through, I was actually like, oh, really? That was good enough? Okay, sure. We're we're doing it. I mean... I, I don't know. It really depends. Like, I remember them pr- being pretty hard in that aforementioned, you know, Amazing Race 23 task. But at the end of the day, you can only keep teams stop for so long. But I do agree. We were getting less Simon Cowell and much more Paula Abdul out there in the park. Yeah. So we saw Lucas and Brittany do it a bunch of times. Christy and Jen did it a bunch of times. Alex and Connor, Jess, they were struggling and they really they had a lot of negative self-talk and it looked as though that they might never get it. And ultimately, it only took them three attempts. And then speaking of the number three, we learned about Alex's top three accomplishments in his life. Number one, debuting for Formula One racing. Number two, winning the Indy 500. And number three, completing the Zimbabwe singing task on The Amazing Race. I mean, that's a that's a better list than most people will ever hope to achieve. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What do you think Connor's top three accomplishments are? <laughs> Moving in um, with Alex. Yeah. 
uh, winning the hearts and minds of America mm-hmm. and getting destroyed by Phil. Yeah, those are it's a good list. It's a good list. It's a good list. Yeah, Henry and Evan they did not struggle with it too much. Uh, we talked about Jess and Cody, but Eric and Daniel they were going to have some issues. Uh, Mike, did you think that there was ever going to be a chance that Eric and Daniel were going to be able to pull this out? I mean, it's really tough because, like you, especially by the end, uh, it it seemed like the judges were were sort of like, "All right, just go. You're bopping on the beat. You're relatively speaking in in rhythm. It's fine. You can go out there." But it seemed like Daniel and Eric they just really, really struggled with it. But I I was trying to figure out who was the funniest because I'll admit, I'm totally into this type of shot in Freud laden amazing race task. The first time that Daniel and Eric stepped up on stage and did that, I guffawed. But I don't know. I think the award might have to go to Connor's like weird baritone moshing that he was doing around the stage, just trying to get into rhythm. It was very, very weird. But like Jess said, it, it's sporadically done throughout the course of the Amazing Race. But there's so much fun to watch. Well, Mike, as a person with a musical background, how much of this can you take? Because I had to pause it periodically and take breaks from it because it just set my teeth on edge to have that much off-key and off-beat stuff in one place. Yes, I spent six months in a children's touring theater company. I've heard many, many <laughs> off-key singing in my lifetime that it's just sort of Wait, dumb the sense, nulled the senses. This is uh, maybe a bigger development than the Outback story. So were you, you were touring with children or touring performing to children? All right, here's the kind of wackadoo premise of this company that I worked for is that we had a big old pickup truck loaded, not with tires, but with costumes and sets and props, enough to do an entire show. We would pull up to some small town and say, okay, guys, we're going to do this play in five days. So we cast everyone. We have them memorize the lines. We rehearse them, put them in costumes, put them in makeup, have them do one or two shows pack everything up five days later and move on to the next town. I was a vagabond for a good half a year of my life. Did the people want to be in the play or is is like, okay, I'm familiar with this concept. We was drafted. Yeah. I tried out for one of these one time when I was about 10 years (laughs) old and they were very, very blunt with me that I had no business ever being on a stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, they're much much more much harder on you than these judges were in Zimbabwe. <laughs> yes, they yeah. definitely were. Did you guys catch the judge or the coach of uh, for the Zimbabwe voice uh, that was wearing a Lincoln Park hat? <laughs> 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 not sure which team that was for. Uh, it might have been Eric and Daniel's coach, uh, which may speak to why they ultimately lost uh, the guy with the Lincoln Park hat. All right. So the teams end up uh, going to go and check in at the mat. Uh, and uh, surprise, Team Ocean Spray, Jess, is back in first place. Five-night trip to St. Lucia. Uh, zip lining. No mention of miniature golf this time. Well, zip lining, I think, trumps miniature golf. Yes, that's a, certainly very exciting. I, well, they can finally take the, the trip that the gnome did back in Morocco. It all comes back full circle. <laughs> they didn't say who's zip lining. Yes. That's true. It has to be, that, <laughs> it the picture the didn't have the gnome zip lining on it. Uh, fun fact uh, myself and my lovely wife, Angela Bloom, took our honeymoon to St. Lucia. Did you so. go zip lining? 
No, uh, we did go to the uh, volcanoes, though, in the Sulphur Springs. So maybe uh, I, I think that was in the part of the package as well. Uh, sadly, not, not a lot of mini golf involved in the island of St. Lucia, but the, the rest of the trip more than made up for it. OK. All right. Then we got to Christy and Jen. They came in second place. Another strong finish uh, for them. Just anything to say about Christy and Jen? I feel like that uh, once they got reunited, it was just business as usual. Not a lot of drama other than uh, giving a, a hint to Evan, but they, they just take care of business. Yeah, they do. I mean, there's, I think as the race goes on, we're probably going to see the side of Christy and Jen that's a little more fun and that's a little more interesting. But right now, they're just solid racers who are doing well. Yeah, I, I think it is also a little indicative, though, that, again, just speaking towards how great they are as racers, and hopefully I'm not jinxing them at this point, but, I mean, they left the last leg in last place, tied for last with Cody and Jessica, and they leapfrogged basically four other teams to get to this spot over the course of one, you know, continuous leg. I think that is, again, saying something about the caliber of racers we're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, two of those teams did have the uh, uh, U-turn pulled on them, so... Uh, but still, still something. It's something. Definitely in their top three accomplishments. Yeah, they made they made up <laughs> some ground. All right, uh, and then we got to Henry and Evan at number four, and Phil ended up bringing up the U-turn, probably a sore subject with Alex and Connor on the mat with Henry and Evan. Want, wanted to know, Alex, uh, what was with the U-turn this week? He said, you want to know why? Because they're right here, Phil. We U-turn them, and they're still the same as us. But in reality, I think it's because maybe uh, they didn't love Evan. They, you always try to spin it. Like, if you know that you're okay. going to have to keep racing with the people you U-turn, <laughs> you really have to try to spin that as game recognizes game. And yeah. <laughs> it's probably not true in many cases. Yep. Cody and Jessica, Mike, they were team number five. Uh, Jessica says... Because, yeah, my partner is a cyborg. Is that allowed? Uh, are we, have we officially broken down the barriers of artificial reality that we are outright admitting that there's that are cyborg partners on the amazing race? I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for the singularity. But this is a real, a real milestone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally, Eric and Daniel, uh, they checked in. They were the last team to arrive. And ultimately, uh, they go home. And now we're down to our... Top five. Uh, Just any final words that we should say about Eric and Daniel? Um, I think they were more entertaining than we gave them credit for initially. I enjoy the the dad jokes. They seem like great stand-up guys. I think this experience was valuable for them. I think they got what they came for. Mike, any wordplay to send Eric and Daniel off? They went out in a blaze of glory, Rob. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing as well is that this race has had a very interesting string of elimination. So we started the race with, what, five male-male teams, three female-female teams, and then three mixed-gender teams. We lost two female-female teams off the bat, but the past four eliminations have been male-male teams. It's just a really kind of weird streak that, I don't know if there's if there's been a curse put on the men of Amazing Race 30, Uh-oh. but Alex and Connor, watch your back. Yeah. <laughs> Listen for the bell, Alex and Connor. It tolls for thee. the next checkered flag could be yours alex and connor it's coming (laughs) all right so now we're down to five teams only two nights of the amazing race left we'll have two more two hour extravaganzas just do you anticipate two eliminations coming up in this next episode to get us down to three for the final two hours or do you think we'll have 
one more elimination with a non-elimination and set us up for a final four teams on the final night. I think we're going to have a an elimination mid mid episode next week and then a non-elimination at the end. We're going to come into the final stretch with four teams and we're going to eliminate someone halfway through. Okay. All right, Mike, anything else you want to add for this two-hour episode of The Amazing Race? No, just a bunch of random observations. I know, Jess, you uh, had tweeted something last night about uh, Henry and Evan's, like, post-interview look. Maybe that will tie <laughs> into, like, the Strawberry Fields-based tasks they get next time when they go to Bahrain. I'm not entirely sure, but it, it seems like a, a rather interesting quirk of the two of them. Yeah, why? What do they look like, Jess? Uh, well, Henry had these, like, weird, round, mirrored sunglasses that made him look kind of like an insect. And then Evan was wearing like a mesh top of some sort. They looked like extras from Back to hmm. the Future Part 2. <laughs> wow. They were hanging out with, uh, was it Griff? Yes, with Griff and uh, on the <laughs> Mad Dog. Hoverboards don't work on water unless you have power. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So hopefully Henry and Evan uh, aren't running with the wrong crowd. Otherwise... That people are going to have to go back in time and save them. I, I I hope not. I hope nobody gets a fax saying they're fired. Oh, maybe maybe, maybe maybe that's why they have so much resentment against them is because they're the ones that really said the whole space time. They're the ones that left the sports almanac behind. They're the ones that got them into this whole mess. Now they have to go back to the Western age. Yeah. Going through uh, the whole uh, alternate timeline. All right. So uh, no alternate timeline here. Uh, we've got our exit interview with Eric uh, coming up next. Just busy week uh, for you podcasting here. Uh, not only did we, you and I talk about uh, the penultimate episode of Star Trek Discovery this season, setting up uh, this weekend's finale. You also talked about the big Super Bowl episode. They could have used Eric and Daniel on This Is Us this week, actually, Jess. They definitely could have. I think we, we all learned a valuable lesson about replacing our appliances. Yes, yes. Or they or they just would have consoled the family really nicely with some well-timed jokes. Yeah, they could have they could use some pick-me-ups in the This Is Us universe. Uh you could check out both Star Trek Discovery and the This Is Us recap over on Post Show Recaps. Uh Mike of course uh has his exit interview with Eric over on parade.com. Mike, what else are you working on this week? Uh, usual Top Chef and RuPaul's Drag Race stuff. I also was on Poster Recaps this past week talking about The Good Place with Antonio Mazzaro and Josh Wegler. Recently finished up its season two. Really, really highly recommend uh, you guys check out that show if, if you have the time. Uh, and also, you were speaking about Celebrity Big Brother before. I talked about this in my tweets, but I will be doing Celebrity Big Brother exit interviews as well for Parade this season. Those usually come out the day after uh, the eviction, so this one will be coming up on Saturday after the big two-hour extravaganza tomorrow night. Okay. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, big thanks to uh, Scott St. Pierre putting this all together. So what you're going to hear next you're going to hear, first off, the uh, sweet sounds of some Zimbabwe pop music, which will bridge the way for us to get to our Amazing Race exit interview with Eric. We'll be back next week. And uh, because of Big Brother, this was a uh, really screwy way we had to record uh, this podcast here tonight. But we'll be able to record at a uh, regular time on Thursday, early evening or so. So you can get questions into us as well. Amazing Race at robberswebsite.com uh, for the next two weeks of The Amazing Race. So take care, everybody. Have a good one. And enjoy the exit interview with Eric.
That was our recap of this week's Amazing Race. And of course, now we're going to get into our exit interview. And this week's exit interview is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. True car, true car, true car, true car, true car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True car, yeah. True car, yeah. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. True Car, True Car, True Car. Yes, now you know exactly what you pay for the car that you want, including the fees and the accessories, before you get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you what the true price is on cars like the one that you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know that your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car that you want. And you're certified dealer knows this that's why they set their true price competitively so they can win your business so when you're ready to buy that new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience some features are not available in all states from true car true car true car true car true car msrp msrp invoice list price yes okay that could be the new jingle for true car they can have that okay All right, we've got our exit interview coming up. By now, you've heard the recap. You've heard everything else that we have to say about this episode. And it is time to talk with one half of our firefighting twin brothers. That is Eric, and he is on the line with us here. Eric, good morning. How are you? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. How about yourself? Okay, very good. Nice to talk to you. And, uh, you know, that look... If I had to do that last task that you guys got stuck with, I'd still be there. <laughs> uh, I think they just had mercy on the people listening, so they let us go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, t- talk to me. So uh, tell, give us the update. So uh, what's Daniel up to these days? Uh, he's, he's been the last month. He's been in officer candidate school for the Air Force Reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, a, he's a chaplain with them, so he had to go through their training. And we're actually on our way to Montgomery, Alabama, as we speak. To go see his graduation tomorrow. Okay, well, congratulations uh, in order. So, talk to me about this leg of the race where it looked like you guys were in a good spot with two teams getting the U turn. Uh, was that frustrating to have not been U turned but to go out on this leg of the race? Yeah, it was definitely frustrating because when we saw that we weren't U turned, then we were like, oh, I mean, you know, that gives us a pretty good buffer. We should be fine. And then to run into a singing task, which we knew our whole time would, could be our Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was, you know, we thought for sure that we had enough buffer to do it. And everything was going great for, you know, like seven and eight. So we were, we were staying where we needed to stay, getting things done. And we finished the mall and to go there and open it, seeing it was a singing deal. Mm-hmm. I think they even showed us say we were like, oh, this, we were laughing because we knew that it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you guys get it quickly after Jess and Cody? Because it looked like that. I, I figured, oh, okay, well, they'll probably be stuck there all day. But then uh, you were got to the mat when they were there. Oh yeah, it was it was a very very short period of time. Once they got it, we went up there and we got it directly behind it. So however long it took to go through, three minutes, four minutes, mm-hmm. we were we got it, and and then we left. Yeah. Okay. And so we got to the mat within five to 
probably five to eight minutes of them getting there. Yeah. Well, you guys were part of something that was Amazing Race history on the episode last night with the partner swap. How big of a blindside was that for you to run a leg of the race without Daniel? Uh, it was surprising, but uh, and we actually enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of fun to switch things up, and, and we were with a team that we we got along with everybody, but, you know, we really got along with uh, Henry and Evan, and, like on the train ride from Harar to the reserve. Uh, Henry and Evan were teaching me a new card game. You know, we spent the whole time chatting and talking. and So it was fun. We had a good time with it. Yeah. And it seemed like that you guys had a pretty good rapport with Henry and Evan, where it felt like that maybe some of the other teams, uh, you know, didn't love them, but it felt like that you guys had a good relationship with them. Yeah, we had absolutely no problem with them. And overall, I don't think we really had a problem with any of the teams and, and out. Probably may have been one of the reasons we didn't get U-turned because we didn't, you know, we didn't have any hostility, any misinterpreted actions or anything like that that showed that we were trying to screw anybody over. We just wanted to have a good time, and if we had to U-turn, we, we you know, we definitely would have if it was needed. But it wasn't out of spite or anything like that. It's just out of play in the game. Talk to me about the winching uh, that you had to go through uh, to get out of the mud pit. Uh, first off, how did you know so much about winching? Is that something you do in the fire department? You know, we have them, you know, and I've always, I've had a four by four uh, for like 10 years and uh, we do a lot of hunting and we've always done stuff outdoors. So that one was just straight, straightforward. Most of the ones we have, you know, you press a button and winch yourself out. But uh, we've practiced on things like that before where they were manual. It's a last, uh, your last alternative, but it works half inch at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And th- when uh, you guys had to decide on the detour, I, I was wondering, because everybody, all the teams ended up split away from their partners for the detour. Did you have to do the opposite detour that your partner was doing? No, you, you could have both did the same, uh, but thankfully... When we got to the shore, there was only one four by four left, uh, and then they had the horses. So we were like, we were going to get them to do the same thing, but then we were really glad we didn't because it was such a physical task. If Daniel and Evan would have did it, I think it would have been a little more of a struggle mm-hmm. uh, than doing. I think the horse riding was perfect. You know, Evan's got a sharp mind, she's super good memory. I was like, and I even said it on there. I thought I'm glad he's got a girl with him because our wives remind us for everything. <laughs> Right. Because we forget, you know, they can just remember all these little details. And I think it just worked out perfect. But no, to answer the question, you could have, we had the opportunity to do whatever one. We just ran out of options because there were no more cars left. You guys had some success here with the head to head in this season. A couple of times that you guys were able to uh, do well in the head to head. And I believe uh, you guys win on your first try in both the head to heads? Yes, sir. Okay. Talk to me then. How did you guys end up getting on the Amazing Race? Was it your idea or was it Daniel's? Pretty much my wife, because we've watched it since we got married, and she watched it from day one. And then once we got married, I started watching it, and and then I went back and watched all the others because I loved it. And then she kept telling me for the last two years, "You need to apply. You need to apply with your brother." I'm like, "No, no." And we finally, I said, "Okay, we'll try it once." And you know, we put it in, and then we actually did it twice. We put it in the second time, and they called us 14 uh, months later. Yeah, and. Now, who had whose wife had the baby? Was that you or that was Daniel right before you left? Uh, Daniel's wife. Okay. And how hard was that for him? I, it was pretty tough. You know, 
one, not you know, to only hold the baby, but like one time before we left because she had it maybe six o'clock the day before we left. We left the next morning at seven, <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, and leaving her left in the hospital with the baby, and then to get the other kids. Even though we had a very strong support network, it was, you know, I think it, it kind of weighed on him a little bit. It was a little bit stressful, but uh, but you know, wasn't nothing that took him out. Right, everybody was doing good. Oh yeah, doing great. You know, yeah. It seemed like in the beginning of the race, you guys were having a bit of a hard time sort of getting started. But then over the last couple of legs before we ran into this singing competition, uh, it seemed like you, you guys really started to figure things out. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was just, we had, a, I guess we had a little bit bigger of a learning curve just kind of getting our stride in it and just kind of figuring what it was all about, you know, the reality of how everything going. And once we kind of fell into it and did what we knew from the beginning we needed to do then everything started going a lot better we were you know we were confident that things we could keep moving forward and probably to the end if, if i guess if it wasn't for singing <laughs> yeah and eric i think a lot of people want to know how were you able to put up with all of daniel's wordplay on the amazing race because uh, i'm just as bad they just didn't show it all <laughs> 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 so he's actually he's better than you at, at it is that what it is that yours just didn't make the show yeah well some of them did but uh his, he, he would say at all the i mean constantly so sometimes like i told him last night i said all right man you don't reach your limit we're not going to have any friends anymore if you keep it up <laughs> yeah all right well eric uh thank you so much for spending some time with us today all the best to uh you and daniel and uh you know congratulations on all of the with all the all the uh, the new things going on, so uh, congratulations! All right, man, I sure appreciate it, and you have a good one. All right, take care. Bye, all right, everybody. There you have it, Eric from the firefighters from the Amazing Race Thirty, and uh, we will not be expecting any wand off entries coming from either Eric or Daniel for Survivor Thirty Six, but that's okay. Seems like very nice guys, Eric and Daniel, and now. We are down to just five teams and two more weeks of the Amazing Race 30. Hope you guys enjoyed this double header podcast talking about the two hour episode and the exit interview here today. I'm going to jump right back into all of the Celebrity Big Brother coverage uh, live show Thursday, live show Friday, and then live show again on Sunday and Monday. So, so much coming up here. With all of the live Big Brother, of course, Uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre for putting this all together, working overtime right now with all these podcasts coming up. So hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. We'll be back talking more Amazing Race next week here on Rob is a Podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 